Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Friends, we've been going through the book of Colossians, and the Colossians is chock full of so much stuff. Not just so much stuff, but really good stuff. And I am a lover of God's Word. So when Kellen told me two months ago, Josh, I want you to teach this weekend at the Janesville campus, I'm on the teaching team in our Bloy campus, so I knew exactly what the text was, and I got so excited But then I started to get a little overwhelmed because I'm going through the whole New Testament just in my own personal studies. Just finished the last chapter of Revelation and now I'm starting back over with Genesis 1. But in the New Testament, everything I was reading, literally every text I studied was pointing back to this same exact verse. That we are called to become like Christ. Christ has saved us from ourselves and is calling us to be who he is because Guys, that's the best way. It's not just a better way, it is the best way. So, so without further ado, let's dive into the text this morning. My friends, I, I, I read uh, inscribed on a tombstone at Westminster Abbey, an archbishop had this inscription on his tombstone, and I think it is so pivotal to our lives. When I was a young man, I wanted to change the world, but I found it difficult to change the world, so I tried to change my nation. When I couldn't change the nation, I began to focus on my town, and I I realized I couldn't change my town, so as an older man, I tried to change my family. Now, as an old man, I realized the only thing that I can change is myself. And suddenly, I realized that if I had long ago, I could have made an impact on my family, and my family and I could have made an impact on our town. Therefore, we could have further made an impact on our nation, and our nation may have had an impact on the world. It all starts with us. And, and anybody who's been married for any longer than a day or in a, in a relationship that's serious, you know you can't change that other person no matter how hard you try. And sometimes the harder you try to change that person, the worse it gets. But just as this said, we know we can change ourselves. And so it starts with you. You have control of one thing, one thing and one thing only in this world, and it is that of your choices. So friends, we must choose to rid ourselves of our old selves. We must choose something far greater, something brand new. And last week, Kellen talked about putting to death the old self, right? Putting to death the sin that is killing you and destroying the sin that is destroying your very life. And what I love about Paul is he's just very, he's like a, he wrote for men, right? Because men, let's be honest, sometimes we just need it spelled out for us. Like unless your wife asks you to do something, you don't know it's required, right? So that's why honey-do lists are very good to have. And my wife has a honey-do list that she puts right on the refrigerator. So anytime I'm going for some kind of food, I see it there. She knows I can't miss it. Because that's how we are. We need it spelled out for us. And that's what I love about Paul as a writer. He says this in Colossians 3. You have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. Our old selves, 
and are putting on the new self that is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. Now that sounds a little cryptic, but all that's saying is it goes back to Genesis 2. When God says we will create man in our image, right? So now we are learning the knowledge of what our creator looks like. It's not just to look like something, but it's to act like them too. And so what I love is Paul continues on in this text. Therefore, as God's chosen people, you're already holy and dearly loved. Now Act like it. And how do you act like it? Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Clothe yourselves. It's something we all know to do well. If you don't know how to clothe yourselves, it means you're either a toddler or incapable of it, right? And so you require somebody else to help you. But typically, clothing yourself is something that we all know how to do really well. It's a practice we learn from a young age, and then it just becomes a habit, right? And we don't just clothe ourselves for the day. You typically clothe yourselves in, a, in, a, in an attire, that's hard to say, in an attire that is appropriate for the situation that you are attending, right? If you're going to a wedding, women, you know, what color should you never wear to a wedding? White, right? Unless you're the bride. And men, you know that you need to gussy up a little bit more than your average attire when you're going to a wedding. Or if you're going to work, you might need to put on work boots or a work shirt. If you're going out to work in the garden, you don't wear your nice slacks, you put on an old pair of jeans, right? You clothe yourselves for what the occasion and situation requires. But it is a daily practice, and that's why Paul is using this, because we need to make these things, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, and love, a daily practice, a daily routine. And I think we could all agree that every one of those attributes is good, right? I don't think any, anybody in this room or world would, would think that compassion is bad. Oh, kindness is awful. Gentleness, no way, man. Humility, ah, oh, I hate it when people are humble. I don't like it when people are patient with me or kind Ugh, love, gross, right? Nobody thinks that way. We all understand that these attributes are not just good, but they're effective for what's best. And so what I want to start doing is clothing myself in these attributes because the reality is I want to become more like Christ. So as I said, there's so much in this text, so much in this text that we won't even get to this morning. So what I want you to walk out these doors remembering is one word. One word and one word only, and it is the word practice. And you've all heard the phrase, practice makes perfect, right? Now, anybody who's been a coach of a team for long enough, or rather a coach of a successful team at all, knows that that phrase isn't accurate. Practice doesn't make perfect. You could be practicing the wrong technique, you could be putting the wrong formula together, practicing the wrong thing altogether. But rather, it's perfect practice makes perfect. It's watching the perfect person and modeling their behavior. It is beginning to observe the attitude and steps of Christ and starting to act like 
and walk in that manner. Perfect practice makes perfect. And as Colossians 3, 9, and 10 says, you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. Practice. It's as, it's, it's as uh, Charles Duhigg, the author of the book by the same title called The Power of Habit. Practice is a counterattack to our old bad habits. It's a counterattack to old practices of our old selves. It's destroying the sin in our lives before it destroys us, right? Perfect practice makes perfect. Put what's perfect into practice. And I love how Jesus says it at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. If you have a chance, maybe today, Matthew 5 through Matthew 7, it's two chapters of Jesus' like pinnacle sermon message, and it's incredible. But he says this haunting passage at the very end of it all. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall. But here's where it gets haunting. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Or as he goes on to say in Luke 8, my mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and put them into what? Practice. You guys are going to get better at that, I know it. Now, as, as he also says in John 13, now that you do these things, you will be blessed if you what? Practice or do them. I, I threw you for a loop there, and that was not entirely intentional, but it's, it's not my, you know, I don't have the liberty to change the words in the text. But to do them, right? Or as James 1 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Put it into practice. Clothe yourselves in these things daily. What Paul is saying here is who Christ has called us to be, who God designed us to be, the image of the knowledge of our creator is this. It's our natural self. It's who we are supposed to be, not just who we were called to be. But friends, you and I both, we've all become so far removed from our natural selves, from that person, from that creation, from who God designed us to be, that we are no longer natural. It's no longer natural for me to love another more than I love myself. And for some of you, it's no longer natural for you to even love yourself. And if that's you today, I've been there. When you look in the mirror, you, you just hate who you see. You despise yourself. And I would love to pray with you after this because that is a dark place to be. But I promise you, if you leave here remembering two things today, it's practice and God loves you. And he doesn't just love you. Like, I've got, I've got four, almost five kids. And I don't just love my kids. I like them. I, I truly adore them and enjoy them. Even on days when they're awful human beings, right? My wife doesn't just love me. She actually likes me. Even on days when I'm an awful human being, right? God doesn't just love you. He likes you and adores you. But here's the thing is God loves you so much that he doesn't want to keep you in your unnatural state. 
He's called us to practice these steps because it is our natural self. It's no longer natural for you and I to pursue a God we can't see. To the world, it's crazy, right? It's weird. It's not natural for us to turn the other cheek when someone strikes us. It's not natural to forgive when wronged. It's not natural to show compassion on someone who has abused us. It's not natural to lay down our lives for another. But that's it. We're fighting against what's unnatural. We're fighting against our old selves, our old habits, our old practices. And instead we are choosing to allow God to transform us into his image by choosing to put his ways into practice. That's why Paul begins this entire chapter, Colossians 3, with this text. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life, act like it. I love how he just cuts right in and says the truth. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you, but instead look up, be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective, for your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God, for he is your life. And friends, if he is indeed yours and my life, it is no longer our own. So as, as, as it says in the book of Joshua, it's one of my favorite passages, choose this day whom you will serve. Choose this day whom you will live for. Choose this day to deny your unnatural self of its practices and put into practice the life that God created you and I to live. A life of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, and love. And what better example to follow than Jesus himself who lived every single day of his life with every one of these attributes even taking it with him to death on a cross. Though he had done nothing wrong, he was viewed as a criminal. And so they treated him as such. Horribly beaten, spit upon, stripped of all of his earthly clothing, and hung on a cross, naked. Talk about humbling, right? But even though he had nothing to wear on that cross, you know what he had clothed him? his compassion for us, his kindness to us. He showed just how humble we are to be even in the worst of situations, how gentle he was even when the very person hung on the cross next to him was ridiculing him. How patient he was with the soldiers who were casting insults upon him, showing his forgiveness by saying, God, forgive them for they know not what they do. And why did he do it? Love, which binds it all together. He did every single one of those attributes, not just because they were good to do, because he loves you. He loves me. He loved the person hanging on the cross to his right, and he loved every one of those soldiers who were abusing him because of love. And love causes us to do crazy things. Think of it, if you've ever been in love with another person, 
we kind of act weird when we're in love, right? Like men, all right, men who are married, remember when you first saw your wife? All right, and like, so you start to get the butterflies in your stomach and your chest, right? And then you get up the courage to go and speak to her. Do you remember what words came out of your mouth? It's probably a good thing we don't remember what words came out of our mouth, right? Because we probably said something stupid. And yet, love is funny, where our spouse now today, for some reason, they thought it was cute or attractive. Because love makes us do funny things. But in this case, Jesus didn't just do a funny thing. He did what was necessary because he loves us. And so love doesn't just make you do crazy, weird, funny things. Love makes you do what is absolutely necessary for those you love. And sometimes that means putting your life on the line. Oh, guys, this is good. All right. So when we're called to love, love binds it all together, right? Do you guys realize one of the last commandments Jesus gave his disciples in John chapter 13 was this? He literally just says that, that Judas is going to betray him that Peter is going to betray him. But he doesn't stop there. He says, listen, all this is going to happen. You guys are going to be awful human beings for a season. Life is going to, going to not look very pleasant for a very long time. But here's the reality. Through all of it, I want you to love one another. Because this world is going to know that you are my followers if you love one another. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. But then... 1 John also says this, we love because he first loved us. Jesus didn't have these attributes of compassion, kindness, humility, patience, gentleness, and love just as a good way to live. He had examples for us to follow, and it was all wrapped up in this capital L word, love. Because he knows that if we start to love God first, if we start to love ourselves as God sees us, and if we start to love others as we love ourselves? Guys, that's when you start to change, and then your family is affected by it, and then your family starts affecting the town you live in, and then who knows from there that the town could affect the state line, and our entire state, our entire nation, and the world can be affected if we start to choose to love God first, and love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Imagine the impact that you can begin to have if you choose to start changing your practices and living in the new image of Christ that he first gave us by loving as he first loved us. And friends, let me put it in some practical steps. Imagine to yourself, wherever you work, put yourself in that situation right now. What if you started treating your coworkers with compassion when they did something wrong? What if you started treating the barista at the coffee shop with, with kindness, even if it looks like she's having a terrible day, got your order wrong? What if you tipped her a little extra and said a kind word? Imagine how that could change the circumstance. What would it look like if you had gentleness on your spouse or loved one and how that would affect your relationship? I was joking with somebody after this. I mean, married couples, right? We get into arguments. And my dad always used to say, he's like, marriage 
through marriage, you don't, you don't stop arguing altogether. You learn how to argue well. You learn how to argue with love and compassion rather than like my way or the highway, right? And we were joking about this fact of, you ever been in that argument with your significant other and it gets to that point like two hours into the argument and you realize if I would have just kept my mouth shut an hour and a half ago, this would all be over with and I could go watch the game or could do, go, go do something that I wanted to do, right? Imagine if you had that kind of gentleness with your spouse, all the time you would save, right? I'm just kidding. But imagine if you were gentle and how that affects your relationship, right? Or the patience with your kiddos, right? Kids are hard to have patience with. They don't listen. They don't, like, they don't understand half the things you're saying. They don't do what they're told. In fact, they do the opposite sometimes. You tell them not to write on the walls. Markers are for paper only, but then you come by five minutes later and the wall has a mural that your son thinks is the most beautiful thing ever, and you're like, what I just said. But imagine having patience in that situation rather than anger, right? All of these characteristics that Paul wrote are all characteristics that Jesus himself displayed so that we can follow the practice of his example. To have compassion, kindness, humility, and patience. To bear with others, to forgive, to be gentle, and to surround it all in love. Put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. This love, life change, doesn't just affect you, my friends. It affects everyone around you. And that's what I love about our creator, is he's not just a God who says, do these things because I said so. No, he's a God who says, do these things because it is the best way. And I have shown you by example. And I don't want you to just do these things out of obligation. I want you to do them out of love because it's like how tone of what somebody says is 90% of what they say. And the words are the 10%. I believe that love is 90% of how we act and 10% of what we're trying to look like, right? People can read between the lines pretty clearly. So if we choose to bear one another's burden and actually walk with somebody rather than walk away from them, to forgive as the Lord has forgiven us, to show that we are Christ's creation by how we practice, by what we practice, by who we practice to be, And when you put into practice the perfect life of Christ, your life and the lives of those around you are changed for the best. And who knows, through your Christ-created practice and life change, your home, the town around you, the state line and the states, the entire nation and the entire world from there may be changed because you choose to put in the practice of Christ into action in your life. And what I love about Jesus is he was the example to follow, yes. But he also laid it all on the line, knowing for a time being it it may not end well. And so I want to encourage you, friends. You you may be going through the days or a situation or a conversation that you just have or know that you need to have, and you're looking at it thinking, this is not going to end well. Well, what I, what I like to do in counseling, when I'm counseling somebody, is, is I say, let's look at the big picture here. What's the worst that can happen in this scenario, right? 
And usually the worst that can happen relies on you not acting in a good way, right? The worst that happens relies heavily on how you react in the situation. So friends, what I challenge and encourage you to do, put it all on you. All right, this person treated me awful. This situation is going nuts, and I have no no control. The only thing you have control of is you and your actions. The only thing I have control of is me and my actions. I cannot control my son. I cannot control my wife, but I can control how I react. I can control how I choose to love and practice compassion and kindness, humility, patience, and forgiveness in those situations. And then I promise you, the worst that can happen It's not the worst anymore. It's actually the best of that scenario because you just flipped it on its head and you chose to act in the best way, therefore changing your entire scenario for what is best. And you may be saying you're crazy. I've been there before. It doesn't work that way. Give it time because practice is a daily routine. And when I chose to stop being a curmudgeon complaining 30-something, when I chose to, to let my anger aside, my frustrations aside, it took my wife time to see that that character change was real. But as I've practiced it over the years, now she, she expects the best from me rather than the worst. Give it time. Put it into practice. Make it a daily thing. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.